At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Coming up on episode 211 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Volkswagen Arteon, the Volvo XC40 Recharge, the 2022 Genesis GV70, and first drive of the 2022 Infiniti QX60. I also get a deep dive into the Cadillac Lyric. We've got the Audi Grand Sphere and an interview with uh, Group Vice President of Infinity America's Jeff Pope. All coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 211 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam with Wolf Samet from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeland from Autobytel. And I am Roberto Baldwin, let's say wired this week. All right. Nicole, what have you been driving okay, this week? I'm, I'm continuing my um, trend of driving all things Hyundai related, and I am driving the uh, Genesis GV70, which is new for 2022. Um, I've already, I mean, I think everyone already knows I'm a pretty big fan of this brand. I feel like they give you an amazing amount of car and features and stuff for the price that you get. And it really is a luxury car. It, you don't, people think of, don't think of the Genesis brand that way because you don't really know it. Like if you know, you know, if you don't, you're like, whatever, it's just another Hyundai. And it's not just another Hyundai. Um, interesting story before I really talk about the car, I took my daughter out to dinner last night and we came out from dinner and there is a man looking at the car and trying to like peer inside the windows to see it. He's like, what is this? I've never seen this. This is beautiful. What is this car? We, I open the doors, turn on the engine. We probably spent like 10 minutes talking to this guy all about this car because he's completely intrigued. He's familiar with the Genesis brand. He really liked the Hyundai Genesis back in the day. And he's like, wow, this is amazing. This is really cool. Like he was really intrigued. He and his wife were like all over. They noticed every last detail too. Look at the contrast stitching. Look at the color of the seat belts. Look at the pattern on the wheels. Like it really, this is just in the parking lot at a local restaurant, drew enough attention that a guy guy's like, I'm going to hover around this car, like literally with his head against the glass, trying to look inside. I was like, would you like an assist? I can open the doors for you. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's fair to say that it looks really good and it attracts attention. Um, I do love the wheels. It has this, the, the pattern on the wheels. It looks like it makes me think of like, you know, when they say something's like hammered metal and you can see where like the, the, the metal worker hammered on it, made little divots with their hammer. It makes me think of that. It's, they're the most beautiful wheels. They're super striking. Uh, but what this is, GV70, it's a, their new SUV. It's seating for five. Um, it has a 3.5 liter V6 turbo, 375 horsepower, 391 pound feet of torque, uh, eight-speed automatic transmission. It is very responsive. It moves. Um, it sounds good. It has a nice sort of throaty exhaust sound to it without being this overly aggressive sports car because it, 
you know, there's some luxury vehicles that are really just all about the power and performance. And that is, you know, 99% of their focus. I feel like when you have a car that still wants to be a luxury car, that gives you that luxury car thing, it can't go too hard to sporty or suddenly it loses what makes luxury cars fun to drive. The, the comfort, the quiet, um, that sort of just floaty kind of drive. And the Genesis has just enough of that built in with this performance. It has a really good balance. Like I feel like it's a very balanced car, whether you're, if you're looking for a little sport, you're looking for a little luxury, you get them both. You don't feel like you're sacrificing either one. Uh, it has a massive 14.5 inch infotainment touchscreen that runs across the dashboard. <laughs> and it is huge. Uh, very easy to use. It's it, the touchscreen, the sensitivity in the touchscreen is great. My, and it has all the features you want, you know, it has Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, it has HD radio, all those things. And the menuing system is pretty easy to follow. Does it have the sounds of nature? It has the sounds of nature. Yes. Um, in fact, we played oh, through them. My daughter's like, why would you want it to sound like, like it's snow in your car? I'm like, wait, would you like it to sound like a cafe? And she's like, oh, okay, I can deal with that. Can we go to coffee? And then we can make it. So I ended up going to Starbucks. So maybe they're in a partnership with Starbucks because <laughs> Starbucks sold some coffee because I use cafe mode. Uh, so the infotainment is easy to use, but I have one big gripe on the center console, the way they have it, there's two dials. They're slightly different sizes, and the texture around the dial is different. So they do feel different. So if you grab one, you know that one, and you learned, there's a different texture to the around the edge of the dial between the infotainment and the gear shifter. It is so easy to throw that gear shifter into neutral when you're driving if you put your hand on the wrong spot. <laughs> um, ask me how I know. I was in that car for five minutes. I was on the highway. I put my hand down. I thought I had the infotainment and immediately I'm like, nope, that was a gear shifter. Pop it back and drive and go along. There were more. There was more than one time where I reached down and sort of went, wait a minute, and had to look. I'm like, wrong one. So because the gear shifter is... The, the one that's closer to your hand and the infotainment's a little further forward. And it could just be the natural seating position for me. But when I put my hand there, it wants to go to the gear shifter. I have to reach forward for the infotainment. I kind of feel like it should be the other way around. You should have to reach for the gear shifter, the one you automatically go to while you're driving. That's right there should be infotainment. Um, I yeah, that, may, that seems like it would make sense because you want you want that a little bit because you're not shifting gears like, right. like a manual you're not transmission. Just shifting gear, right. Like drive, you don't reverse, be. park. That's it. That's all you're doing. Exactly. So I feel like that one should be placed a little bit like I've had to reach for that one. And I don't. I had to reach for the infotainment. So naturally, when I put my hand down, the first thing I hit is that gear shifter. My brain's like, that must be. It's like, no, 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 no. Keep reaching forward. So I feel like they're backwards in my head. I feel like they should be the other way around. Now, like I said, they do have very different textures, like around the, the, like the, whatever quarter inch edge around the dial. So they don't feel the same. So if you put your fingers on them and you start to know the gear shifter feels like this, the infotainment feels like that. You could, you could very quickly kind of figure that out. But I, like I said, I was in it for five minutes. I got on the highway, went to change the infotainment, shifted the car to neutral right in the middle of the highway and like, boop, right back to drive. Thank you very much. So that was my only real beef with the system. I guess it's kind of a big one. I don't know if anyone else will run into it. Like I said, maybe it was just how I was sitting. Um, but I did not like that. I disliked. No, I mean, it, it, it does, it, it does seem logical, you know, what you're saying, you know, where they're positioned, um, you know, that the one that's closer, like, you know, when you put your arm down, you know, on the armrest, that one is, I think probably regardless, you know, unless you have, you know, gorilla arms, right. You know, like you're pretty six much anywhere five. you sit, you're, hey. you're you're more likely, you know, because 
you know, the, the relationship of that shifter to the steering wheels, to the steering wheel, is going to stay constant, more, more or less constant. Uh, I mean, the steering wheel can telescope a little bit, but it's, it's going to be fairly, uh, fairly steady. And so, you know, when, you're, when your hand, you know, falls from the steering wheel to down to the, the center console, it's going to inherently tend to, to re- land on that shifter, um, you know, rather than reaching a little bit further forward. And, you know, this thing's an automatic. It's got paddle shift, you know. So I, I, I think your idea of maybe swapping the positions of those two actually makes more sense because you're going to use that, that shift knob far less frequently, I think, except if you're doing a three-point turn or something like that, then you're likely to use the infotainment knob. On the plus side, though, you know, I'm looking at a photo of this. Um, you know, clearly, you know, they, they learned from the complaints on the G80 and the GV80, you know, which we've talked about before, with the, uh, the you know, the kind of the flush-mounted um, controller that they had on those, you know, and we, we talked about the, the, the texture on that, um, not being quite enough to get a grip on it without pressing too hard and, and toggling it back and forth. Um, you know, so having that, having that, uh, infotainment knob actually sticking up from the surface, you know, more like a, a BMW iDrive style controller, I think makes, makes sense here. Uh, but I, I do agree with you that it seems like the position should maybe be swapped. And so we'll, we'll see what they do on the G90. You know, when right. that one comes out, <laughs> see if they yeah. see if no, they rearrange them again. And you're right; it was a little bit. It was a big improvement because it was hard. To, like you, you couldn't grab the other controller. This one is just like okay. Now there's enough depth to it that you you can actually grab it and spin it. So that yes, gold star for that. Just not so much for the positioning of the two. <laughs> and like every Genesis that I have been in ever, it feels like it should cost a good ten grand more than it does. Uh, they just have these beautiful interiors. It's beautiful. It's comfortable. Um, this one had all sorts of bells and whistles on it. So I had, I think I was talking about this the other week. It had red seatbelts. I love it when there's like a pop of color in cars. When the seatbelts are a different color, it just warms my heart. So I'm like, oh, the seatbelts are red. Um, and there's all sorts of little like red contrast stitching. And it's it's absolutely beautiful inside. Ours had the carbon fiber um, trim, which is an add-on. It's not like a standard feature. But everything in this car looked beautiful. It really is a gorgeous car on the inside, on the outside. So style-wise, they nailed it. Very comfortable. Uh, drove it a good bit with a, my teenager in the back, and she sat behind my six-foot-three husband and was fine. Didn't have her knees pressed up against her chin. You know, she had enough room to be comfy. Uh, so it's not hugely spacious, but it's spacious enough. You know, you can put adults in the back seat without them feeling squished. Good amount of cargo room. Um... Oh, I loved small details again, where you put your phone to charge your phone. A lot of, most of the OEMs, they have a flat spot somewhere. It might be on the center armrest. It's somewhere on the console. It's somewhere, it's a flat spot or a slightly like angled flat spot. This one is like you put it down and in so it sits against it. I love how this charges because if you go over a bump and your car is sitting flat or you turn, I mean, your uh, phone is sitting flat or if you take a turn your phone tends to want to slide out of position. So suddenly it's not charging and you hear it doing that beep, 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 beep as it's charging and not charging because it's no longer sitting right. The way this sits in there, it's going to sit in there. It's not going to move. So I loved that. I thought that was kind of a neat feature. Where Where is that slot? It's like, I think it's... that Like to the upper right of the console? Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, because I'm looking. There's like a there's a cover there mm-hmm. next to the infotainment to the right of the infotainment controller. Is that where it is? Yes. Or is it okay? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean this thing's got a great looking interior. The interior um, is you know, fantastic. And, you know this. You know this. This is the the GV70 is basically you know a tall hatch version of the G70 sedan, which you know, I think we're all fairly fond of. Is is the three five turbo the only engine they're offering at launch oh, on this thing? Uh, I believe. Wait a minute. Let me double check. I think it's just. Uh, no. You also have um, a two point five. Sorry, I had to double check. So this okay. is the bigger of two engines. So you also have a less part, which I don't have it. But I don't know. I, I feel like the three five is really good. I don't know if you went down a little bit. If you would feel it, I kind of think you might. You know that you might feel the difference. It yeah, might well, not I mean, be the, quite the, enough oomph. The two five turbo, um, you know, in they have it tuned a couple of different ways depending on which vehicle it's in. In, in the G, in GV eighty, it's three hundred horsepower, and then you know I think that the the three five V six is closer to like what three sixty five, three seventy, something like that. Um, and I, you know, I've driven the four cylinder in the GV eighty, and you know, it was fine. Yeah, so I I think in this slightly smaller, lighter vehicle, it'd probably be it'd probably be more than adequate. Yeah, so I was very happy with it. I I give it a gold star. I think I sold one to the guy in the parking lot and not your average Joe's. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> Excellent. All right, uh, Robbie, you up? Uh, or oh wait, what was the price on this? I don't think you said oh, before, sorry. Pricing, you? Uh, pricing on this base pricing. So it starts at fifty two thousand six hundred. I had a lot of options, so mine was sixty four oh four five. But that adds on. It adds on a lot. Like you get some extra safety. You get Napa leather seats. Um, you get those these twenty one inch sport alloy wheels that are absolutely stunning. Um, carbon fiber trims, three zone climate control a manual rear side sun, uh, sun shades. So you get a lot of extra. So there's like a $5,000 package. That's the sport package. And then a 4,900 that's the sport prestige package. Uh, so basically $10,000 worth of options on this, but still for $64,000, it's a lot of car for 64,000. Like you're spending money. It's not cheap, but it it's, I feel like it's priced fairly. And then some, and you know, compared to something like a BMW X3 or an Audi Q5 or a Mercedes GLC, you know, there be yeah, probably guess the GLC. You know, they're all going to be priced <clears throat> at least that much, if not more, yeah. for you know, for comparably equipped, right. especially for the high end model. Excellent. All right, Robbie, you're up. So this week I drove um, for like the third time really, but really for the first time for more than like a day or a few hours, I drove the uh, the Volvo XC40 Recharge. This is uh, Volvo's uh, electric vehicle. It's based on the same uh, platform as the Polestar 2, and it is um, – I, I, I get the same sort of like when – you, when you drive the Polestar 2 – you really understand, you're like, oh, okay, this is compared to, say, something from Tesla. And Tesla, you know, they make fine cars, but there is a there is a fundamental difference in the build quality between a Volvo and a Tesla. And you can feel it as soon as you put your foot on the accelerator. As soon as you hit the accelerator, 
Like it's the the entire pole star feels like it's going as one unit, as one single solid like unit is going forward, and you get that same feeling with the XC40 recharge. Um, it it is it is a lot quicker than you would anticipate uh, for a small uh, compact SUV. Um, it has 402 horsepower, and uh, more and, and more often than not, um, it would just like we I would hit the accelerator like this is. Maybe quicker than it should be for <laughs> a small SUV, but if you are a you know if you're that person who's who when they're looking for an SUV and they're paying a premium price, which you're going to pay when you're when you're uh, buying this, uh, and you're thinking, oh, I need this power, then yeah, this is definitely uh, going to have that. Um, of course, the downside to all this the is the range. Um, it's 208 miles of range. Which I feel like if you have it, if you're not bringing 250, you're just not bringing it at this point. Um, uh, you, you know, the, the Kona, the Nero, the Bolt, uh, Tesla, the Model 3, the, you know, I just keep naming EVs that have 250-ish uh, miles of range. And then the Volvo comes in at 208, which is if you're just cruising around town. You know, it's fine. Uh, if you're going on long trips, you know, it does have uh, does support uh, DC fast charging at 150 kilowatts. So it does charge a little bit quicker than the, a lot of the other vehicles I just uh, named off. I think the, the Kona is at 100. For some weird reason, the Bolt is still at 50, like it's five years ago. Uh, so you, you, it's, it's, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're, 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 it's, 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 it's this weird balance where you're getting a bit quicker charging, but you don't have that extra range. So you are stopping more often, but you're not, if you're able to find, you know, if you're using Electrify America, you're not at the charging station as long as if you're within those other vehicles. So, and then of course the price, it's a Volvo. Volvo's uh, very uh, upfront that they, they do not make uh, inexpensive cars. They make luxury cars. So it starts at fifty-four thousand um, dollars. So it is it is a pricey uh, a pricey alternative to say the Model Y um, with with less range. But again, you get that that Volvo build quality, which I it's it, it handles really well for an SUV. I drove it through the mountains um, uh, up in Northern California on some windy roads. Um, and even with, uh, you know, some of these roads are, you know, they need some work and there's a lot of ruts and bumps and whatnot. And even with that extra heft of that battery, it's still, it, it handled really much better than I anticipated it would, um, for, for a small SUV. So I, I, I really, really liked it. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice, uh, you know, if you live in the city, you need something that you can, you need storage, you need to be able to put people in the back whatever, but you still want to be able to park your car. <laughs> um, the XC40 is just a great uh, little SUV. Um, the, the recharge just sort of continues that. You know, it's, it's along the lines where the XC40 recharge and, let's say, the, the Hyundai Kona Electric are two great little gas vehicles that those manufacturers just made electric and they didn't really lose the flavor of those vehicles. They just made them, well, in some cases, better. And I feel like this is actually probably better if you're looking, especially if you're looking for an EV with the XC40. Um, I did some some uh, some some mileage runs, and yeah, it, it you know uh, the freeway on you know back roads, drive around the city. It's it, you know it was it was about two ten to two o five, depending on how I was driving. I don't 
baby these vehicles when I'm when I'm driving them. If it's, um, you know, if 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 I'm in the, on a back road, I'm going to drive the way I would in the back road. If I'm you know on the freeway, I'm going to do you know seventy. I'll probably put the you know the the cruise control on. But if I get stuck behind someone, I'm definitely going to you know stomp in the accelerator, get around them so I can. You know, don't get trapped because you. you I, I've noticed with, a, especially with adaptive cruise control, sometimes you'll get behind someone. You're like, all right, this is fine, and then that person just keeps slowing down and slowing down, and you just keep slowing down, and you're just not like you're just like, oh, this is fine, and you realize you're doing like ten miles under the speed limit. <laughs> you're like, oh, oh, wait, what's happening? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. So yeah, so I, it's 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 a yeah. No, I I I really like this uh this little SUV. Again, it, it is a. Uh, it's pricey, you know. You, you're, you're buying this because you want a Volvo. Um, it's, it has that same minimalistic uh, interior that we've come to know from Volvo. Um, love it or hate it, that's you know that's that's your individual. It has a Google or not Google. It has Android Automotive, so it's not Android Auto, but Android Automotive. So the infotainment system is built. It's you know it's, it's the underlying architecture is Google, and then Volvo put some stuff on there. But you can ask it just random questions all the time. <laughs> Just, I kept asking it like how far places were. I kept asking it, you know, you know what the capital of a state was. If I was stuck in traffic, I would just ask it <laughs> random things, just to sort of pass the time. Yeah, I mean, anything you can ask. Yeah. Anything you can ask of Andrew, a Google Assistant on a phone, you can do with this because it's it's got the same assistant built into it. Did yeah, it I was hear asking you like, well, did it normally know where you yeah, like no, the capital was, to New Hampshire, and it didn't answer like pastrami or something like that? No, it, it's it it works really well. Um, you know, it it a lot. I think a lot of the the sort of mishearing that people had a long time ago, I think, has sort of been solved, especially by the bigger players, Apple, Amazon, Google. I think Mercedes' system is 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 really good. I think the other automaker versions of anyone else, I think those are still sort of like a couple, definitely a few years behind those four um, when it comes to uh, voice recognition. We'll, we'll get to that when I talk about my car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, and, and you know, you can, I, what, what were they asking? I was asking just, just like, when was the first taco? When, when were tacos invented? What was like, the answer was to that one? I need to know was when wrong. the first. It was just, like, one of them was like some guy made it, and some of them was like, oh, and, and the, you know, X, you know, 600 BC, I don't know. It was just a bunch of random questions that I was asking that I wasn't really paying attention to, but I just wanted to see what it asked. And then I asked it to, to, tell, to read me a recipe, and it wouldn't do that. So you can't just have it read you a recipe, which is sort of a bummer. But you can't tell Dang, it to like – for all, that all those times you're just like cooking like, you know, food I'm in, in the, the car, car and breaking out that Thanksgiving dinner in the front seat, it well, can't yeah, help you. If you're driving home and you're thinking, maybe I'll make chicken fried steak tonight. And if, you, if the car will tell you – like this is how you make chicken fried steak. You can make a, an informed decision before you get to the store that you're like, oh no, this is no, this is way too much work. <laughs> I don't have the energy for chicken fried steak. <laughs> we're getting we're getting corn dogs. I'm sticking it in the microwave. This is way, way too much work. But it all you know the 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 Android automotive and the Google Assistant also can be used to control uh, aspects of the vehicle. I said it was too cold. It made it warmer. I told it I wanted. The driver's side to be 68 degrees and moved, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, you can download apps. Um, there's a, there's a, I, I don't know why I didn't download it, but I should have. There was an app for automotive sounds, like car sounds. And I'm not sure if you just like turned it on and it went vroom, vroom. I don't <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, you could like I, I downloaded the ChargePoint app, which is nice. So you have that native app without having to plug in your phone. It still does not have CarPlay. It's coming, but it still does not have CarPlay. 
I've, I asked, and they're like, we're working on it. It's coming out. There's going to be an update. But yeah. it still does not. It still doesn't have CarPlay. So if you buy one and you have an iPhone, you will get CarPlay eventually. But right now, you don't. But it. I mean, uh, yeah. There you go. I like it. Um, yeah. You know, the this this is the same basic infotainment system that's in the Polestar. The yeah. the main difference here is that you know when they, when they updated you know they created the electric version of the XC40. Um, they didn't really change the interior from the standard XC40. So you still have the same smaller, I think it's a 9-inch screen in here, whereas the Polestar has a, I think it's a 14, 13 or 14-inch display. Does the system still work okay even on the, the, the smaller the smaller screen? Yeah, it was fine. I You know, I think the, I know that the automakers are making bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger screens, but anything over like 7 inches is... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which sounds inappropriate to be honest. <laughs> but it, you know, you're like, oh, okay, this is fine. And like a lot of times, I'll get in a car and it'll be like, oh, there's an eight inch and a ten inch screen, and I'll have to go back to the car. I'm like, wait, what size screen was this? Because you're just like, oh, it worked. And you're like, I'm I'm less concerned with the real estate as long as it's not like teeny tiny. Like if you get right. into a rental, like if you get into a rental uh, like Chrysler, the screen's like four inches, and you're yeah. like using CarPlay on a four inch, like a tiny. You're essentially using CarPlay on an old iPhone. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I can see this. This is fine. Like, I, yeah, we just bought a Kona EV, and it has uh, CarPlay support. And I don't, I'm pretty sure we have the 10-inch one. It might be the 8-inch screen. I'm not sure. <laughs> and it doesn't even matter. Don't even <laughs> But it's enough. I was like, oh, look, you have, uh, so my wife, you have CarPlay now. She's like, oh, cool. I'm like, and it's wireless, so you don't have to worry about plugging it in. She's like, oh, cool, okay. Uh, yeah, and you know the other thing is when you're using Google Maps uh, in the car in in the Volvo, uh, for if you put in a, a destination, it actually shows the maps in the the instrument cluster. You've got a digital instrument cluster display, so it shows it in there too, and so you see your guidance right in front of you. So you, you don't you're not relying on the center screen anyway looking for that, over, which is I think over. is a really nice touch. It's, it yeah. is. It's, it's really so. nice. And, it, and uh, for better or worse, I know there's, there's, there's privacy and there's tracking and all these issues that come with using Google products. But we're all using Google Maps is what it comes down to. We're all using that app. And, um, yeah, it's nice having it right there because it's easier to look down quickly than it is to look to the right. And, um, mm-hmm. and you know, you can, you can be in your house and you can say, oh, I want to go to wherever – and typically, you would have to say, oh, let me plug in my phone, and then we wait for Android Auto or wait for CarPlay, and then we launch Google. You could just get in the car, and it's like, oh, recent searches, because your account is in that car, and you're like, oh, I just want to go here, and then it just goes. So it's, yeah, it's nice that way. Again, you know, if you're you know, privacy tracking, et cetera, et cetera, you don't have to sign into Google. You can still use it. It just won't keep you know, track of all your stuff. Right. And and if you have multiple users of the vehicle, you can have when you when you get in, you can select you know which user you are, and you know so if you know, two people in the house driving the car, you know each one can have their own sign in on the on the car. So that 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 helps as well, I think. Yeah. Excellent. Um, yeah, you know I think the the range you know I think because I think the XC40 has the same battery that's in the Polestar. But mm-hmm. it's a little bit taller than the Polestar, um, so the arrow arrow's not quite as good. So that's probably what contributes to the, the shorter range. Because I think when I drove the Polestar two, 
few months ago, I got like close. I think I got about 250 miles of range out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's probably just because of the shape of the thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think it's actually probably easier to see out of the, the XT40 than the Polestar because you don't, you don't have that feeling that you're sitting that's so tall, low, you know, it tall, doesn't have that, tall, quite that tall, ridiculous tall, belt line. Belt line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you can see now. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's essentially, they took, um, probably one of their best vehicles, the XC40, and they just shoved electric bits in it. <laughs> they took the gas yeah. bits out and shoved the electric bits in it. Like, here you go. And, you know, it's a modular architecture, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that's essentially what they did. <laughs> I think it was, it's, the CM modular architecture. It's in the name. Yeah, this thing's CMP, <laughs> Compact Modular Platform, yeah. or something like that. Uh, yeah, and and you know between Volvo and their parent company Geely, they're they're using that platform on a bunch of different vehicles here and in, in China and, and other markets as well. So excellent. All right. Well, speaking of uh, voice recognition um, and and really bad voice recognition. I've been driving the uh, the Volkswagen Arteon, which is their um, you know kind of the the current flagship car of of the Volkswagen uh, lineup. You know they they used to have the um, why am I blanking on the name now? What was the big sedan? Um, that's that's how memorable it was. Uh, like I literally it, can't think you know, of what you're talking about, which is horrible. They they, they try back uh, you know. In the mid 2000s, they they launched a, a sedan um, that was meant to compete with Mercedes Benz, and I'm completely blanking on the name. It started with a P. Fa- um, uh, oh, Phantom! Phantom! Fa- that's no. a Phantom. Fa- the Phantom. Fa- Phantom. Fa- Fa- the VW Phantom. Fa- yes. Phantom. Like, oh, and, and not it, Phantom. And it, yeah. And it and it completely bombed in the in in the U.S. market. It actually apparently did surprisingly well in China. The, the Chinese market liked it. Um, it did okay in Europe, but it bombed in the U.S. because, you know, people weren't thrilled with the idea of, you know, an $80,000 Volkswagen. Um, so they've, they've since discontinued the Fayette, and they launched the Arteon a few years ago as their, their top-end sedan. You know, it's nowhere near, you know, the levels of luxury of, of a Phaeton. But um, it's actually a really nice car, and if you are one of the increasingly few Americans that actually like to drive car-shaped cars as opposed to <laughs> SUV-shaped vehicles. Um, you know, the, the, the Arteon is actually a really um, interesting choice. You know, I, I like the look of it. It's, um, you know, it's, it's got a, you know, a fastback, um, hatchback look to it. You know, so in that, <clears throat> in that respect, it's, it's very similar to something like the, uh, the Audi A5 Sportback. Um, and you know if, if the the A5 Sportback is maybe you know a little bit too rich for your blood, you know the Arteon I think is is actually a really uh, interesting alternative. You know it's got um, you know quite quite a different uh, look to it. You know especially from the front from from most Volkswagens that we've had here at least here in the U.S. for a while. Um, you know I I like the look of it. Um, I also like the way it drives. You know, um, you know, I've I've always been a fan of the way VWs of you know VW cars drive. Uh, that's why we owned a couple of them, despite their other issues. Um, and <laughs> you know, it's it's very comfortable, very roomy. Um, it's got uh, a, a shocking amount of cargo space in the back. You know, given that you know this is basically a midsize uh, car, midsize sedan. 
Um, but because it's a hatchback, you have a very large opening in the back and uh, you can fold the back seats down. With the back seats folded, you have, even, even with the back seats up, there's about, uh, I think it's tw- a little over 28 cubic feet of cargo space in the back. And then with the back seats folded, you have almost 60 cubic feet. Um, I actually managed to get a queen size mattress folded in half most of the way into the Arteon, which was pretty, pretty impressive. Did you get it in there far um, enough that you could actually one. drive it or was it hanging out the back in, a, oh, yeah. in an unsafe way? It, it was hanging out the back, but it was not in an unsafe way. You know, okay. I drove it across town, um, you know, and it was, it was fine. You know, I used a bungee cord to hold the hatch down and it was, it was fine. Um, it was, it was not unsafe. So, uh, you know, this, this is, uh, you know, and with the seats up, with the back seats up, the, the back seats are very roomy. Uh, there's a lot of leg room in this thing. Um, you know, for the size of the car, you, you wouldn't expect it to be quite that spacious, but, but it's, it, it is, it's very well packaged. Um, the, the interior is, is really nice, but this has the same, there's always a but. The, the infotainment system overall is, is, is not bad. The infotainment system's fine, but the voice recognition that Volkswagen has their, their native built-in voice recognition system is a complete disaster. It's, you know, if you're trying to find something, you know, if you want to navigate somewhere, just pull over, punch it in, you know, stop, park the car, punch it in on the screen or plug in your phone or use your phone, you know, and do it through, you know, Apple CarPlay or, or Android Auto because you're never going to find it in the native navigation system. You know, and this one, this was the, the base model, uh, which has a, a standard built-in navigation system, built-in voice rack. You're... I would say probably 98% chance that whatever you say, it's going to get it wrong. Um, yeah. And last fall when, when Rebecca was still here, I mean, she was complaining about this. She was sitting in front of a post office and she, she had a video sitting in front of a post office trying to get the voice recognition system to recognize, you know, to the post office and it could not find it. It was, it was utterly right hopeless. There. Oh my God. So just, so if, if you buy a Volkswagen, and, you know, I had the same problem in the Atlas. So if you if you buy a Volkswagen, just don't even waste your time trying to use the native recogni- voice recognition system. It. You know, if you, yeah, just plug in your phone and use Siri or, or, or Android Auto. It'll be, you'll have a much, much better experience. Everything else about the car, I really like. Uh, you know, I've been averaging uh, about 31 miles per gallon with it. It's got the, uh, the, the 2-liter uh, turbo four-cylinder with an eight-speed automatic transmission. And VW uses this same engine in a variety of states of tune, you know, across most of their lineup now. So, you know, from the Tiguan at about 180 horsepower up to the Golf R with over 300 horsepower, you know, you can get this this same basic engine in, in a lot of different um, forms. In the, in the Arteon, it's rated at 268 horsepower, and um, I believe it's 258 foot-pounds of torque, uh, which is, is qu- more than adequate. It's, it, it feels very, uh, very responsive, uh, very little turbo lag. Um, on the, the one I'm driving, which is the, the SE, uh, front-wheel drive SE, um, there, uh, this one didn't have much in the way of driver assist systems. Um, it, it's got, uh, I think it's got blind spot monitoring, 
um, and uh, lane departure warning, but there's no adaptive cruise control on this one or, uh, or lane keeping assist. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, you know, the, the rest of it is, is really nice. You can also get it in uh, with all-wheel drive. Uh, so if you live in some place where you're likely to need better traction in, in winter weather, uh, you can get an all-wheel drive version. The, the one that I am driving, as I said, is the, the SE, which is the base model. Um, and with the 2.0, it's front-wheel drive. It has a sticker price. Or, let's see. The sticker is... Uh, Thirty-eight thousand five eighty-five, which I think is is actually a, a pretty good value for what you're getting here. Um, yeah, the it's got the the VW's VTEX leatherette seating surfaces, and I've I've always liked the the VTEX. Uh, we've had it, you know, on a previous VW that we owned. Um, you know, it's not Napa leather, uh, but it also doesn't feel like plastic. You know, it's it's one of the nicer, you know, synthetic faux leather type. Uh, seating surfaces. I think it, you know they do a really good job on it. It's very durable. Um, you know when we had it on our Jetta, we never had any issues with it. It's easy to clean if you spill something on it. Um, the seats are really comfortable, very supportive, um, and um, uh, you know they, it comes with uh, you know a four-year, fifty-thousand-mile warranty, bumper-to-bumper, um, bumper, and seven years, hundred-thousand miles um, against rust. So you know it's. VW's, you know, in the past, it used to be a real crapshoot when you bought a VW. You know, some people would buy one and it would run for hundreds of thousands of miles without issue. Others were in the shop all the time. Um, you know, our first VW, unfortunately, was in that latter group. But I've known people who've, you know, driven them for, for many, many years without issue. Um, they've gotten a lot better over the years. Um, what, I'm, what I've heard in recent years is that they're, they're much less prone to random things breaking. Um, and so that's, that's a good thing. Um, and you know, they've got a better warranty now than they used to have. So I think, I think you're, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty safe bet, you know, buying something like this. The, um, uh, let's see the, the loaded versions I had, whatever that price list here. So the, the SEL premium R line, which is the, the top end model, um, goes to 47. So it can be 48, about $48,000 delivered. Um, and you know, that gets you some additional stuff that gets you actual leather. One, one thing to note, um, is, you know, the USB ports, uh, in this and, and other current VWs are all USB C VW has gone all in on USB C. So, uh, if you're going to use, um, you're going to plug in your devices, you'll, you'll want to make sure you have USB C cables, not the older style USB A. And uh, it also has uh, wireless support for Android Auto and, and CarPlay. Um, but uh, this, the one I have does not have a wireless charger in it. So I just go ahead and plug it in anyway, um, even though it, 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 it works well. Um, you have, if you want wireless charging, you've got to step up to uh, the SEL um, or the SEL Premium to get that. Uh, but otherwise... Good choice for for a car shaped car. <laughs> the car shaped car. I like that car shaped car. <laughs> okay, so speaking of of car shaped cars, um, Robbie, you're actually in Munich right now. I am. I'm um, across the sea. The magic of technology. I'm in a hotel room in Germany, 
next to a giant picture of an elephant, which I just noticed uh, a few moments ago because <laughs> I'm half asleep. I have to wear my glasses because when I get tired, I can't see really close. So I have to wear glasses when I'm really tired. Yeah. So uh, w- the reason why you're in Germany is for fun. Uh, the Currywurst. Yeah, yeah. For, Currywurst. Yeah. Uh, for, for, the, for the IAA Mobility Show, um, which uh, was formerly known as the Frankfurt Motor Show. Uh, it, was all, it was technically always IAA, which is an acronym for the German name, which I can't remember nah, right now. Something, something uh, with automobiles. But uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, moved, it's moved from Frankfurt to Munich. Uh, it's somewhat smaller than it has been in the past. Uh, but that's going on over the next several days um, while, while you're there. And um, Audi uh, had a preview the other day of what they're going to be showing off. At, uh, at at the show, um, which is the second of a series of three concept vehicles that they announced back in July. Uh, the first was the uh, Sky Sphere that they showed in Monterey, uh, Monterey Car Week, a couple of weeks back. Um, this new one is called the Grand Sphere. Have have you, the two of you had a chance to take a look at this thing yet? I've seen it on the internet. Um, I'm, I should see it this week in the flesh and blood. Well, I guess not flesh. In the metal. Hopefully the metal and glass. Flesh. Metal it's and glass the, and fiber The glass, metal and glass and, fiber and, and what whatnot. Um, it is, yeah. I mean, these, these uh, you know, this is something BMW has been doing for a while with these uh, autonomous concept, you know, these concept cars that are supposed to be autonomous. They essentially just try to make them look like... Um, a living room in some ways or like, Hey, it's going to be like wood. And there, here's a plant. We put a plant in it. And the, the plant thing is always my favorite part. Cause you're just going to drive around with a plant with in your car. Yeah. With aphids. Well, it's, it's electric, you know, so you're saving the planet, you know, so you want to have some green in there. You got aphids flying around in your car, <laughs> bugs, <laughs> worms. You got to water it every day. It's, it's essentially yeah, in a greenhouse. Yeah, the stain on the carpet because the water overflows. Yeah, the now water the overflows. <laughs> <laughs> you got soil everywhere. But it, again, it you know it's a concept car. So this is, I mean, Audi's is like we're not making this car, but this is a good idea. Here's but a bunch we of ideas. I love it. it's like we're not making this. We're not going to make anything that even closely resembles this. It won't even look like this when it comes out. But look at this cool thing our designers thought up. Yeah, it, like some of the elements of what we well, hear from- here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from 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 what they said during the presentation, I watched the uh, the video presentation of it. Um, yeah, this this is the design direction for future Audis. So it's not going to look exactly like this, but this, you know, this is this is the, they're moving in a new direction. You know, they've they've had a very similar kind of look for the last fifteen twenty years to their vehicles, and now they're doing something very different. You know, much even sleeker. You know, um, yeah, you know. Different, different style of grill and headlights and everything, and you know this. This is said to be kind of a preview of where they're going with the next generation A8, um, their their flagship sedan. Um, you know whether or not you know the A8 will have something like the retractable steering wheel that this thing has, which is one of the the interesting features. You know when you when you put it into the highway autonomous mode, the the steering wheel folds forward so it's horizontal. And then the whole thing retracts back into a slot in the dashboard, and then a little door closes down over the front of it. See, that um, makes me nervous because so I'm you, never a fan of things that 
that retract and pop in and out automatically because then when they don't and they inevitably don't, you have challenges. Like it's one thing if it's a door handle. What if it's your steering wheel? Like how do you get past that malfunction if that happens? You're like, oh, I guess I just have to keep letting the car drive for this I can trip. never drive again. Just, just let it go until the battery <laughs> dies. <laughs> this is where we live right. now. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how it looks. It's yeah, very, I mean, it's I- that very swoopy. So the, the back end is very like tapered. It looks it looks super futuristic and cool. I mean, it looks amazing, but I, it's, it is like that mm-hmm. sort of like okay, what what one little piece of this really cool design is going to actually show up in something production? You know, I think mostly the front end is what uh, we're going to yeah. see. Yeah, I don't think. That, uh, I, don't I think the overall profile gonna is going to be pretty similar. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think we'll see a, a lot of the profile of this. Yeah, and I I suspect that they will move to this. You know, probably not the retractable steering wheel. At least not <laughs> you know in the not this decade. Um, but uh, you know, I think kind of the overall um, design theme of the interior, more you know, this cleaner, more minimalistic design. You know, move, moving away from you know what they've got today. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them move in this direction. Um, I, I don't think that they'll have the, the built-in plant. Um, <laughs> well, although, well. you know, they, they might bring back the little the little flower holder that they had in the Beetle. There you go. You know, that, oh, on the Beetle. Be yeah. Yeah. Let's put a little flower holder in there but, as opposed uh, to a, potting, a potted yeah. plant. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's less danger with a tiny little vase with has that maybe has, what, two, an inch and a half of water. And it's like a thimble full as opposed yeah. to, I have an entire plant in my car. <laughs> and, you know, this is supposed to be um, uh, built on uh, the new PPE platform that Audi's been working on with, uh, with Porsche, uh, which is their, their, their premium platform electric, I think is what it stands for. Um, that, so this is the replacement for the current uh, Taycan and e-tron GT platform. Um, you know, take you know further evolution based on the stuff they've learned from doing the Taycan and, and the e-tron, uh, and that that platform, the first vehicles with that platform are actually I think scheduled to launch later next year, later in 2022, um, with the the next generation A6 um, going on that going in that architecture. Uh, so you know that should that's supposed to give it you know much better range and better overall energy efficiency. But um, yeah, I think you know uh, if this is the des- the direction that Audi's going with their design, I, you know I I like it. You know I don't think you'll I don't think we'll see the uh, um, the the rear hinge you know the suicide doors with no B pillar. Boo. Um, you know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know that's that's always a feature that they put on concept cars so that they can show off what the interior looks like on a on an auto right. show stand. They can just open yeah, up the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. In real life, though, I yeah. won't. That's not going to pass the mustard. Is it mustard? Mustard, not no. mustard. Sorry, I'm very tired. Yeah. <laughs> not mustard. I'm looking at mustard, too. <laughs> well, that, that's probably oh. a problem. Yeah. Uh, okay, any more thoughts on the uh, the Grand Sphere? No thoughts. That grand. They should call yeah. it the Grand. The, the, the next one is supposed. The next grande. sphere concept is supposed to arrive uh, early 2022, uh, which will be an an, uh, an urban mobility concept, which will probably be a lot less interesting than this one. I'll just be a bubble. All right. <clears throat> um, next up, 
the Cadillac Lyric. Uh, Roberto, you had a chance to, to look at the Lyric in, in uh, Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago. I did. I, uh, I got a nice but, walk around, but it was very quick because I had to shoot video of it. So I had to, when, when, you, when you, you show up to an event and you only have like 45 minutes and you have to shoot video and you have to produce, you're essentially producing like a 10 minute video, but you only have 45 minutes <laughs> to put it together. I mean, it's, you, you're, you're kind of hurried. So they did a really quick walk around. And they gave me the highlights, but I know you're going to have something much, much better than what I got. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough this week to, to spend three hours at the GM Tech Center um, with the, the Lyric team. Um, we spent an hour in the design studio, um, which, um, unfortunately, what my wife would love to see that building. She's seen pictures of it. Um, but if you're a fan of mid-century modern architecture, you know, that place is just amazing. Um, it's, it's a fabulous looking building inside, but, um, we, we walked through, went, to, went back to the, uh, to the studio and talked to the exterior designers, the interior designers, um, the, uh, the color and materials team and learned a lot of interesting details, uh, about this, this vehicle. Like one of the, the cool features, you know, like most, modern EVs, you know, it doesn't need, you know, the same kind of cooling capabilities that an internal combustion engine has, but, you know, so you can, you can blank off, block off most of the front of the vehicle, you know, to, uh, improve the aerodynamics, you know, improve the airflow. Cause you don't need to have a big hole in the front of the car to cool the engine, but that, that presents both opportunities and challenges for the designers. Um, you know, if you, look at a Tesla, they clearly saw that as an opportunity to do nothing. Um, but, um, Cadillac didn't want to go in that direction. They wanted to, you know, create a new face for Cadillac. And so, you know, you've probably seen, and I'll include in the show notes, um, uh, a video clip of the, um, the light show that you get when you walk up. Um, and when you walk up to the car, it, it does a pretty impressive light show, you know, in both in the, what would have traditionally been the grill and also the the headlights and and driving lights um that whole grill area it turns out is actually one big piece of molded plastic and what they did was they painted the interior surface of that black and then they use a, a laser um to basically remove some of the black paint you know to create a pattern on there we're t taking away the black paint with uh, with an ablation process with a laser and then they paint over that with a translucent color translucent material that that's kind of similar to um you know what we've seen on the um the current um Hyundai Sonata and also on the uh, the Tucson where when the lights are off it looks kind of metallic um but then when you turn on the lights behind it you know, the, it lights up and shines through. So that's what they've done on in the interior of this. And then, you know, they've got a whole bunch of LEDs back there that they can do all kinds of patterns with. And the, the, the cool thing about this is, you know, if you look at Cadillacs of recent years, <clears throat> and the same is actually true for a lot of different vehicles, they'll have different variations of the grill for different trim levels. So, you know, a sport model might have one, one kind of grill on it. The luxury model's got a different grill on it. 
And so what they can do now because of the process they've used for this is if they want to create a different pattern on the front of, say, a Lyric Sport um, you know, or a Premium Lux Lyric, they want to have it look different, all they got to do is reprogram the pattern for the, the laser to cut away the, the black paint, and they can have a completely different look for different trim levels. Uh, and there's no tooling involved. It's just a different program in, in the different software um, in the, uh, the la- for the laser. Um, so I think I thought that was really cool. And they, the lights, um, you know, they, they developed these new LED lights that um, previously the LEDs uh, for the, the headlights have been like 85 millimeters wide. So about three inches, about three and a half inches wide. Um, these new ones are only 15 millimeters wide. So it's about three quarters of an inch wide or actually, but more like five eighths of an inch wide. And so when you see this, this, this pattern on the front, they're able to do the, this vertical lighting, very narrow vertical lights and still be able to meet all the, the lighting standards. And again, because it's all programmable, um, what they're going to be able to do is if, and when, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration actually approves advanced lighting systems. Um, they'll be able to do some of the kind of matrix lighting stuff that we've seen from companies like Audi um, and and Mercedes in Europe, uh, where they can they can light up the LEDs you know in, in different patterns. So as you're driving down a road at night, you can actually have your high beams on to light up the road and the the periphery of the road, and have a darker have essentially just partial low beams you know where it sees a car in front of you um you know so you're not blinding cars coming towards you or if you're following somebody it can lower the the light intensity just in that area so you're not blinding other drivers but everything else around them is all lit up um which i think you know is is a really cool feature and they'll be able to do that just by changing the software um if and when uh, regulators in the u.s uh, get around to updating the the headlight standards. They've been, they've been saying they've been working because they did that test like in 2015, no, 12. I don't know. They did a test a long time ago. And they're like, yeah, in our tests in the laboratory, a couple times it blinded a motorcyclist. I'm like, I, I ride a motorcycle and people drive around with their high beams on all the time. <laughs> I'm like, it's yeah. – <laughs> So there's there's a, apparently I know people have been lobbying them for it, but they're supposed to be testing it again at some point. But who knows? <clears throat> Fingers yeah. crossed. Uh, yeah, ho- hopefully we'll get that because there's there's a lot of interesting things you can do with that. I know you know one of the demos I've seen from um, from Audi is uh, actually you know being able to um, light up you know the specific lane that you're in. Uh, so, you know, using the, the, the maps that they've got and the, and the sensors, they can specifically put uh, more, you know, brighter light in your lane so you can see your lane and also see um, where, uh, based on, you know, the, the your steering angle, where you're going, where you are in that lane. That's cool. Um, so it, it can give you a lot, a lot better uh, situational awareness when you're driving at night, which which is always you know much more much more challenging than driving in the daytime. Um, so I think that that's that's a that's a really good thing. And you know, they, there's all kinds of other stuff that Audi's done as well. Um, and uh, I'd love to see that happen on on vehicles here in the U.S. You know, you can you can get that stuff in Europe, but you can't get it here. Um, 
one other um, interesting detail that they uh, had, you know, because this is an EV, you know, EVs rely on aerodynamics a lot more uh, than uh, internal combustion vehicles because, you know, when you lift off the accelerator, you you don't want the air slowing the vehicle down. If, if the vehicle is going to slow down, you want to be able to recapture as much of that energy for regenerative braking and put it back in the battery so you maximize your range. And so they spent a lot of effort on the aerodynamics of the Lyric. Um, and this was the first vehicle that they've done right from the very beginning of the program on GM's new rolling road wind tunnel. And so traditional wind tunnels for automotive um, have been – you know, they have basically they have a flat steel surface. They roll a car into the into the wind tunnel and they they turn on the fan. You know, and they they do all their their testing on it. But when the wheels aren't moving, the the interaction with the air is very different from when they are rotating. And they they found this out in racing a long time ago. Uh, Formula One race teams started doing rolling road wind tunnels back in the late '80s, uh, but they're a lot more complicated to do. GM, I. Th- I think might be the first automaker with a rolling road wind tunnel, a full size, full scale rolling road wind tunnel. Um, and uh, Ford is actually building one right now as well in, in uh, Dearborn. But um, the Lyric was the first GM vehicle. They've, they've done some work on the rolling road tunnel with some other programs over the last couple of years, but this was the first one that right from the beginning, they used it. And one of the interesting things they learned from that is when the tires are rotating, when, when you, if you look at your tires, You'll find that um, along the, the sidewalls, there are some. There's a ridge along there between the the sidewall and the tread area, uh, from the way that they mold the tires, and they um, they found that that was actually causing a surprising amount of drag, and so they worked with their their tire suppliers to figure out um, a way to mold that so you can minimize that ridge, reduce that ridge, and reduce the amount of drag. So like most modern vehicles, the, you know, the Lyric has its tire surface you know, out as close to flush with the, bot- the surrounding bodywork as they can. But now they also got rid of that ridge, and they were, they were able to reduce the, the coefficient of drag by about uh, point, uh, 0.01. So that's what they call 10 counts of, of drag which is a, a notable reduction from just one change. Uh, most changes, you know, are just, a, you know, two or three counts of drag. They did 10 counts just from changing the tire construction um, to reduce that. Uh, and they've, they're also working on things, you know, the, the concept version of the, the Lyric that they showed last year had the, um, the camera mirrors on, on the sides like Audi's got in the e-tron in Europe and, and they've got in some other vehicles overseas. Um, those aren't legal here yet either, uh, but if and when those become legal, we'll probably see those added to the Lyric and, and other vehicles. Um, and then one last arrow thing that they did was if you when you look at the the Lyric and profile, the the tailgate glass is got you know it's a, kind of a fastback design, very steeply raked, and um, there's a spoiler at the top like most you know SUVs and hatchbacks have. But they've got a flow-through area on there, and so they spent a lot of time shaping that spoiler. So the air going through there, running across that rear glass, can keep that rear glass clean. So um, they're able to get by without uh, a windshield wiper 
or a wiper on the the tailgate, which both reduces drag because that when that wiper is sitting there on the tailgate, that's again that's more drag, and especially at the back end of the car where the air's got to separate from the body, that can be really disruptive, um, and it also reduces weight and, and cost, of course. Um, but uh, so they they claim to be able to keep that that back glass clean without having to use a, a wiper on there. So we'll we'll. We'll we'll see how that actually works in real life when this car comes out next year. But a lot of a lot of interesting design details they did on that. I have a question about the tires, Sam. So they they said they worked with whoever's making the tires to come up with something where they reduced all the air, you know, the the drag on there. Does that mean that mm-hmm. are your tires going to be more expensive? Like when you go to replace them, is that is that like a fancy tire that's a high cost? Um, I don't know. I mean, presumably, I don't I think sure so. If they said, uh, I was know, just I, curious if that, if like it's a very specific tire and they have to get rid of that little ridge. I was like, huh. Well, no, they've, if that means- they've got a couple of different tires. Yeah. They've got a couple of different tire suppliers. Um, and so they'll, yeah. So it's, it's not just one specific tire. They've got different sizes and, and from different manufacturers. Um, and my guess is that, you know, they'll be pushing, all tire suppliers to move in this direction because as, as everybody's moving towards EVs and aero becomes more important, I think everybody's going to want to do make the same kind of change. Right. So I It'll think help everyone. That's true. In the yeah. future, all yeah, all, yeah, all, all tires are going to move 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 in this It'll direction. It'll be less because there's less there's less actual rubber because you have to shave some less off. Of, yeah, there's of just a little bit of like, that little... Girl, This tire is now thirty cents less than it was a year Woo-hoo, ago because let's get new tires all the time. But we're going to charge you thirty dollars more. Because the machine that made it thirty little bit less. Cost us nine bazillion dollars. Yeah, that so we machine. Have to that cost. <laughs> yeah. So you're saving thirty cents in rubber, but you're yeah R and D and 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 tooling. Astronomical. <laughs> Astronomical. Yeah. Um, one one thing that uh, some people will undoubtedly be disappointed by is the fact that they're, despite the lyric having a you know this profile, you know, it's designed to look premium with a long hood, you know, uh, you know, a long, um, dash to axle ratio. Um, there's no front trunk. Um, I asked Cadillac about this, you know, how can you not have a, there's no frunk. (laughs) Their, their explanation is that, you know, they took some of the electronics that are typically packed in the back of the vehicle under the cargo floor, um, and moved all, put all that stuff in the front and it didn't really leave enough room for a good sized front trunk. Given the length of the hood on this thing, I think that's a bit of a cop out. Um, but to, to their credit, um, there is actually a nice, I think there, there actually is like, We're done. When, yeah, when, when, when you, when you lift the, the, the cargo floor, there is actually a nice deep well, behind the rear axle um, you know, okay, for, for more stuff. So th- there is quite a bit of cargo room in this thing. But, you know, I think I think they could have put some, you know, some space in the front as well. Um, one of, uh, oh, um, another thing about the, the Lyric is it's going to support, um, if you have uh, an 80 amp uh, ch- uh, circuit in your garage, you'll be able to do nine, 19.2 kilowatt charging at home. Uh, which is fairly fast charging. Ooh. Yeah. Um, the, um, the charge cord that comes with it, um, will support, um, 
uh, it's a dual voltage uh, charge cord like most EVs are uh, increasingly now. So you can, if you, you don't have to necessarily have a wall box, if you just have a, a 240 volt dryer outlet in your garage, you can plug it in directly and get um, and, and charge at 240 volts without having to spend another four or 500 bucks on a, on a wall charger, mm-hmm. um, just, just with the cord, but that's going to be limited to 7.2 kilowatts. If you want the, the 19 kilowatts, you do have to buy a wall charger. Oh, but, uh, it's, this will be, they're going to, they're going to start production in, uh, I think sometime in February, um, for this thing down in Tennessee and it should be on sale in the spring. And the, the launch edition is the one that's going to cost $60,000. And that's got pretty, the only option on the launch edition, the standard tires, standard wheels and tires are 20 inch. The launch edition, uh, the only option on that is the 22s. Um, and that's another two grand. So for 62, I think 62 or 62.5, you're all in. You've got every available option, including uh, you know the Android automotive based infotainment system um, with the 33 inch curved uh, display in front of you. Um, and this is the first one, you know, unlike like the Mercedes hyperscreen that has you know a single sheet of glass that spans across, but actually has three separate displays under there. This is all just one continuous display. The whole thing is one giant touchscreen at 33 inches. So it's that's big. it. That's all I got on the, the lyric for now. You think um, you're making money off the last week launches? Because at that price point, uh, like within the year, do you think they'll be making? Um, unless it's uh, if it doesn't sell gangbusters, you yeah. think they'll be losing. All right, because I'm just curious, like how? Because I, I, I think I think I think they'll I think they'll at least break even on it, and I think they'll probably I think they'll probably be profitable on this one. Cool, because I might because because to me the the the, the lyric at where it's that that price point is, I I I'm trying to sort of connect that to the Ultium platform, which means if they can put a nice premium electric SUV at 60, they might be able to get a nice, you know, inexpensive uh, EV for regular folks, maybe uh, 25, which would be a big, 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 big deal. Yeah. And I think, I think that will be possible. I think, I think they, I think we will see, uh, you know, like a, uh, you know, something like a, an elect, you know, like a Chevy Equinox type of vehicle mm-hmm. that you'll be able to get for, you know, under $30,000, uh, before incentives. Uh, and right now, at least, you know, unless Congress you know, passes something, uh, there are no incentives available, at least at a federal level for GM vehicles. Oh, yeah, for GM. But I think, I think that they'll be offer, they'll be, they'll be able to offer something like a compact crossover, you know, probably in the twenty seven twenty eight thousand $28,000 range, um, yeah, you know, nice. electric. Um, and you know, I think that that'll be a, a good product. And, uh, you know, one, one other thing to note about the Lyric, that launch edition, they're launching only with the rear wheel drive version, which is 340 horsepower. The all wheel drive, the dual motor, all wheel drive will be coming, uh, later in the model year. So that, that will be more, you know, that'll be probably like 65, $67,000, something like that. But you can drift with the rear wheel drive one. That's true. You can do that. There you go. There you, you go. I'm of, just saying. Plenty of torque. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Nicole and I were both out in California. As we record this, this was just over a week ago um, to drive the new Infiniti QX60, um, which is Infiniti's, you know, their, their second generation of their three-row crossover. Um, 
Nicole, what did you think of the QX60? I, you know what? I liked it. Um, I thought it was good. I had minor complaints about it for the most part. Nothing was major. My only uh, genuine major-ish complaint was about how they've packaged the captain's chairs. You can only get them on the very top trim, which is the autograph. and The autograph? autograph and yeah. it starts at just over $60,000. If you want captain's chairs on anything else, tough luck. You can't get it. And I thought that was a weird omission. I mean, <laughs> that I know is that weird. sometimes they're standard when you get to those trims, and then you can option backwards and, and get the bench seat if you want, and sometimes the other way around on lower trims. But, yeah, so you can only get the captain's chairs on the on the top trim, which I was kind of like, well, that's that's sort of a stinker. Uh, but it is <laughs> – I, I was like, oh, what if I want those and I only want the base trim? But it's it's beautiful. It's, it is – it, you know, has that luxury infinity feel. I feel like they stepped up their game a little bit. I thought they did a little bit of a better job. I, it, it didn't seem so – like some of Infinity's cars, the – you get this luxury sense, but you're sort of almost like this was luxury 10 years ago. Like there's something sort of dated about it. This one feels very like luxury today. Do you know what I mean? And so it, it just the styling contemporary of it luxury, more contemporary. So it feels a little bit more refined, I think, for that particular for for managing to do that. Um, I it has a good amount of cargo room It has good towing. It was very nice to drive. There's just one engine in it. There's that. Now I can't find a 3.5 V6 with 295 horsepower. Yep. Um, it, it it moves it. I mean, it. I, I felt like it was responsive. You're if you're buying a car like this, you're not you know you're not buying a sports car. Um, you're buying a great big SUV to carry your friends and your family and the kids, and um, it does that and it, and it does it in with quite a lot of style and quite a lot of luxury. And overall, uh, I was a fan. Sam, what do you think? Uh, I was I was really impressed by the way it drove. I, I I agree with you. You know that it seems like a more cohesive design um, than before, especially the interior. Um, you know the the last one. The, you know the last generation of Infinities. You know when they had this <clears throat> dual screen infotainment system. Um, you know it, it had. You know when you look at it from a checklist standpoint, it had all the right stuff there, but it it didn't necessarily th- seem as as thoroughly thought out as it could have been yeah. um, didn't weren't this and, wasn't you know, like the resolution get, on those screens different too wasn't like the resolution oh, was wasn't there like I'm a not resolution sure if the resolution was different there was like some sort of uh, i'm not sure if the resolution the, was actually different but but they were different they were different screens so like the top screen was you know one of these you know it was a, a glossy um you know um all flush finished you know like you find on most laptops you know where where it's got kind of that that black um trim on it you know so trying to enhance the uh, the the contrast mm-hmm. um and then the lower one was kind of set in you know so that the top screen was for your media navigation and then the lower one was for your control stuff and it it just it seemed like an afterthought it you know it's like two different teams <laughs> did wrong. the top half of the yeah. console and the bottom half <laughs> Uh, and they, and they didn't talk to each other. Um, yeah. Like, like, oh, you're okay, making a screen too. Oh, bolt it together. <laughs> I don't know. Just put them both in. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Shove them in there. It'll yeah. work. So, yeah. So some of the stuff that was, you know, in, in the lower screen before is back to physical controls now, which I like. Um, oh, good. and, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I think it's just, it's just a, a more cohesive design this time. So I think that that's, that's a good thing. 
to your point about the captain's chairs, um, Nicole, um, you know, one of the things that is nice about this, if you do have uh, kids or if you're, if you're actually planning to use the third row, which, you know, presumably if you're, if you're buying a, a third, you know, a three row crossover, you know, hopefully that is part of the plan. Um, you know, the, the seats, the second row seats, the second row captain's chairs are the same structure. They're different, you know, they have a different finish on them and everything, but they're the same structure as what's in the new Nissan Pathfinder, which shares its platform with this, which means that, um, if you have uh, child seats installed in those second row seats, you don't actually have to remove those to get into the third row. The whole seat tilts forward, like from the from the front uh, from the front e- edge of the seat, um, and you can tilt it forward with a child seat still in there and still be able to get into that third row, which I think is a a really handy feature. That that's a huge feature because when you, I mean, like you said, if you have a three row SUV, you're probably piling kids in there a lot and you've got those car seats and any parent who's ever had to take car seats in and out, even if they're the boosters, it's a pain in the butt because you have to take the seat out. They're going to move it forward. You got a kid who's like, ah, then you're, you're trying to get a child in. You've got a car seat in one hand, you get them in the back, then you got to put the, it's, it's a pain in the neck. So to be able to leave that car seat in there and just scooch the seat forward, let the other kids in the back, put the, put the seat right back and the car seat's still ready to go. That's kind of nice. I like did, that. Did they demo this at the uh, drive event? They did have they, a, a like they had one um, at the one stop where they did have the a car seat sitting in there and they activate it and this the whole thing flips forward the seat stays in place and then it comes back yeah because my follow up question is they put it like a little baby doll in it and you see what happens if you if you pushed it forward with the baby <laughs> you doll you were very much not supposed to do it with your kids in the seat Roberto I know that but is, it's just that would be my first that that I'm like let's see what happens this is why I don't have children. <laughs> I can't be trusted Squish because child. I'm like, hey, let's see what happens when we do this. You're cool with that? And the kid will be like, yeah. Kids like, that's okay. I'm folded in half like a piece of origami, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, you know, depending on how big the kid is, you know, they, they, they would probably be, be safe fun. in there. I think there's enough clearance between the, the top of that and the front seats yeah. that you'd probably be but okay. But it is very much not recommended, uh, Sam. Yeah, don't do this. Do not no, do you're this right. with the child secured in the seat. Seat only. Don't do this. Uh... Not recommended, but, but, but we all know that people do stuff with their vehicles that is often not recommended by the no, manufacturers. I don't believe you. Know, you. So you have, you, have to make sure, you have to make sure you design it you know, taking into account the potential for misuse of the product and min- minimize the risk of anything going, anything bad happening if customers do misuse the product. Um, you know, some manufacturers don't don't have that philosophy, but you know, I think a company like Infinity and Nissan, they you know, they generally try to follow that. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the in the cargo area in the back, uh, you know, I was talking about you know having that deep well in the in the back of the Lyric. They've also got one in you know in the back here, so you've got the flat cargo area, so you can fold down the third seats and you get a nice long. Actually, you can fold the se- third and second row seats, have a really huge flat cargo area. But there's also this, um, you know, when you lift up the door, there's a, a fairly deep well in right in the back where you can, and it's plastic uh, line so if you're going to the beach as, as we did when we were out there um, although I don't think anybody went swimming uh, it it's the most dangerous beach little... in California because of the <laughs> which beach? So which beach was it? Goat, yeah. goat Rock Goat Hill uh, goat they're rock. All, to, to, to be completely honest they're all very dangerous you should not if you do, if you're <laughs> not a strong swimmer or you've never swam in the ocean just don't go into the water in Northern California 
It is very, very dangerous. Yeah. Don't trust the sea. As a surfer, I will tell you, the sea will kill you. And anyway, oh. that's that's my PSA for the day. <laughs> the PSA for the day. My PSA. Um, so, oh, don't don't Sam. fold your baby in half and don't <laughs> don't trust the sea. <laughs> and Sam, that little that little cargo that underfloor cargo thing that you're talking about. One of the other nice little like I think little features make such a big difference. Normally, in most of them, when you open up the little floor panel, you have to hold the floor panel up because it wants to flop mm-hmm. back down. And this this will stay open. So once you open it, it will stay open and you can load your stuff and then close it. Otherwise it's like you do this awkward thing where you're trying to load and hold oh, the door at the same yeah. time. So small detail, but it makes a big difference in terms of how easy it is to live with the car. Especially if you're carrying a little baby that you yeah, want I'll to be fold curi- in half. Correct, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll be curious how, how well those, those friction hinges hold up after, you know, eight or 10 years and whether it still stays up like that, but at least when it's new, it's, it works. I remember well. the golden years. Um, of- and, and- <laughs> but who's keeping their infinity for eight or 10 years. I feel like the person buying this infinity is probably not keeping it for 10 years. You have a luxury car. True, you're going to trade out. Some, before. Somebody, somebody will buy it. Somebody will buy a used one, you mm-hmm. know, um, and you know, there'll be, I mean, you know, the average age of cars in the U S is 12, is over 12 years now. So is it over 12? Um, I thought it was yeah. 11. It's creeped up. Huh? Yeah. No, it's just over 12 now. Cars are getting better, uh, so it, it and, and it's pro- probably probably getting longer and longer every month that the uh, the chip shortage goes on too. Um, mm. <laughs> but uh, you know, having that plastic liner in there, you know, means you can throw wet stuff in there, you know, wet towels and things like you know, dirty shoes after a hike, things like that. So it's uh, you know, it's a, a it's a handy handy feature to have there. So story um, filth. The design. Yeah, the you know the the design is is definitely a different direction for Infinity. What what do you think of the this new design direction for the brand? I I like it. I think kind of like how I was saying. I feel like the interior made it look a little bit more luxury interior of today instead of luxury interior of a while ago. I feel like the design is a good thing. I think it's a little bit more contemporary. There was something sort of like weirdly bulbous and clunky at the same time about the prior design language as as time went on. And I feel like this one is definitely more streamlined. You can see this one moving in the direction of design in general, as opposed to just, yeah, we're not really going to mess with that too much yet. So I think it's an improved design. I like it. I think it looks, it looks more luxury than the old vehicle did. So I think it's, I, 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 I think the design is a good thing. Yeah, uh, you know, it's. I think when I first saw it, when they first uh, revealed it back in June or whenever it was in the spring, you know, I saw it. It, it struck me that it looks like a, a a combination of current Mazda and Lincoln design. You know, with kind of the the dark floating roof of of the Lincoln. Um, you know, they going going to the 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 wraparound glass at the back at the D-pillar um, and then the smoother um, sort of water sculpted finish of the sheet metal, you know, more like what we've seen from Mazda in recent years with their current design language. Uh, but I think I think it's a, it's a look that works for this vehicle and it'll be interesting to see how it translates to other future Infinity models, which you know, and, and they, when, I, when, I, when they did the reveal in June, I asked that question of Alfonso Abaya, the uh, the head of design for Nissan, and he said, "Yeah, this this is this is what you can expect from future Infinity models as well." So, uh, 
I think there's there's a lot to like here, um, and you know the the price point starts what about, I think about thirty eight thousand for base model. Uh, base and model. The, I think it's more than that. Forty six, isn't it? Is it forty? Is it forty six? Forty six. Okay. Forty six is your base. And then, yeah, lo, you know the loaded autograph with all wheel drive uh, is about sixty five, roughly. So. so it's not cheap, but it's not crazy um, expensive. Yeah. Um, you and I, Nicole, did have a chance to sit down and chat with uh, Jeff Pope, who is the uh, uh, group v- group vice president of Infinity for the Americas um, while we were out in, in uh, California. Um, and I will attach that on after this. Um, I neglected to put out the call for any questions uh, for this episode, so we don't have any listener questions to answer. Oh no! I know I am. Yeah, I am. But um, so uh, right after this, uh, stay tuned, and you will hear the uh, the Jeff Pope interview. Uh, but that's it. That's all we got for this week. That's all we got. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. All right, Sam here with Nicole, and we are sitting in. Napa with Jeff Pope, the Group VP of Infinities America. Glad to be here with you driving the QX60 today. Um, Jeff, why don't we start off with Infinity as a brand? Mm. What describe what what you want Infinity to be? What what how should people think of the Infinity brand, and what makes it different from any of the other multitude of premium brands out there? Sure, that's a that's a nice big rounded question, but uh, you know I've been with Infinity as I said for 15 years now, so I have a real passion for what this brand has been, uh, what it is, and what it plans to be in the future. And really, all three of those things are still tied to the same thing. Uh, we're we're curated luxury. We're about hospitality, both within the vehicle and actually in our dealerships and the experience our consumers expect to get. Uh, we've been one of the, the, the top customer satisfaction brands in the industry for years. Uh, and that's all based upon the commitment to what Infinity is uh, and what the expectation is of not only our vehicles, but the experience for our customers. And how do you think the new QX60 fits into that? Yeah, I think in every form and fashion, this has been obviously not because it's the newest one, because it's my favorite one. <laughs> Uh, it's the, my favorite vehicle because from engineers to designers to our marketing and sales organization, everybody has been walking that same path to understanding not just creating a premium three-row SUV for just utility, but incorporating all those things that we just talked about, specifically hospitality and what hospitality means on the interior of the cabin. So a serene, quiet cabin um, from... Just uh, the lack of vehicle noise inside the cabin to the attention to detail on concave speaker covers or the attention to detail on the quilting that you see in the autograph version of the car. Everything that's been done has been done for a specific reason, Uh, even including the back hatch when you lift up the, the rear panel. It doesn't fall down. You can put it at any position, and it's there for a reason that is not technologically sound. It has nothing to do with IT or mechanics. It just simply is smart. Uh, And when we look at smart hospitality and smart utility, this vehicle says it all. Then you package it 
with what I think is probably the most elegant design we've seen from Infinity in years. There's not a bad angle on this vehicle. And I just took pictures out of it up there, and I would have to agree. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> Infinity's had a fascinating history. You know, when it started, I, I remember when the Q45 originally came out 31, 32 years ago now. Um, you know, it was, it was quite distinct. And, and Infinity came out at the same time as a, another new premium brand. And, um, <laughs> Who will not be mentioned. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, for, for all of its virtues, you know, the one thing that brand lacked for a long time was really distinctive design. And especially that first product, you know, that competitor to the, to the Q45. The Q45 was really, really distinct in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, over the years, you know, Infinity's had, um, you know, at, at various times a different look. And now the brand is making another transition, you know, for the last decade it's had a particular look with kind of the, the muscular creased flanks and that, that hooked C-pillar design. And now it's making another transition. You talked a lot about modern Japanese luxury, um, over the last day or so. Talk about that some more and, and how that fits in with, with what you're doing with this vehicle. Yeah, I'll talk about it in, in two facets. One, from a design perspective, you're absolutely right. There's always an element of Japanese luxury that's instituted into our vehicles. You heard a little bit about of it uh, about it today. When you look at the piano keys becoming more of a signature item in our cars, but inside the headlamp itself, you see what represents folds of a kimono. Um, when you look at our double arch grill, that's always been a signature for Infinity and still maintained. So there's pieces that continue to go throughout time. And I don't think we've necessarily changed direction, but we have modified and, and really adapted the design language and design um, uh, DNA. Even the, the grill itself, uh, that's inspired by origami. Uh, and little things along the vehicle that all represent Japanese luxury. But I'll go back to what we talked about before, is what it really means to me is Japanese hospitality. And, and that's what has rung true with me ever since I started with the brand way back in 2006. So I liked uh, when you were talking about how the design elements work. We saw a video from someone who could make it over from Japan. He was talking about the quilted leather and how it was inspired sort of by how water droplets spread out across the pond. And it was neat to see it because I had like a split screen and showed it both. I'm like, well, now I look at this now I get in it. a whole different way. Like now it's just got much cooler than just diamond stitch pattern on it. You know. Yeah, it's not just straight lines. Right. It's all ripples, ripples in a pond. And, and that's where, you know, I will never claim to be a designer or a retired <laughs> designer in any form whatsoever. So I really appreciate the individuals that we have helping us through our journey. Uh, on design because it's so special and so good and the dedication that people have to it is really amazing when you just sit I would love for you to have a moment with him individually uh, Taisuke and, and just talk with him and you'll just walk away just so impressed with him but not just as him as an individual just how he focuses on the business and how he tries to put those two things together the business the design and then the brand itself so um, would you say that Given you know that this new QX60 three-row crossover, you know, um, in some ways you know, a very family-oriented vehicle, um, would would you consider this, you know, since it is kind of setting off a, a, a new evolution of design for Infinity, as perhaps you know the the flagship, you know, the the most maybe the most important vehicle in the, in the lineup right now? 
Yeah, I think QX60 has always served a very strong purpose in the brand lineup itself. Um, we've had a number of very strong vehicles that built the DNA of our brand over the years for different reasons. The FX was iconic. Um, when you talk about uh, a vehicle that serves as a halo, QX80 has been that for years and years because it's the ultimate description of luxury in my opinion. So QX60 though fits it because now you're talking about a mainstream large segment uh, and what it's bringing in is the ability to have all the utility that's required in that category, but then bring the true identity of infinity to it. And that's where I think it's so important for us because now it's not just about uh, a vehicle that sets itself apart in a smaller segment. We're talking about a vehicle in a very large segment uh, that is making a true statement about who Infinity is as a brand. Because when you look at the capability of the vehicle driving it, you add in all the complementary features on the interior of the car, and then you combine it with the design and technology that we have, it truly makes a statement for us more so than any vehicles in the past. So do you think that's strong enough? Because it's like there are a lot of luxury options, all with varying pluses and minuses. Do you think you think people are going to see it and think, okay, yeah, I'm not going to go with those other guys we don't name. Like, Infinity has got me. You think it's strong enough to do that? I, I'm really, really confident. And as much as I try to make sure I keep myself in check from time to time, <laughs> Uh, every time I get to sit down with an individual group of people that have gotten to drive it, look at it, whatever, it just gives me more confidence because it's not me having to sell it. Uh, I, I just kind of, it's like rolling the ball on the table and saying, what do you think? And what we're getting back is so positive. Just as a, for instance, we've launched lots of cars over the past decade and they've been very good to successful to, you know, we wish it would have been more successful at times, maybe. But this car, as soon as we announced it back in July, the response has been off the charts. Consumers have really flocked to the dealerships looking for more information. How can I do it? Um, we have people getting in line to purchase this car, wow. which tells this is a again a three-row premium SUV. This is not a luxury sports car, uh, but people are getting in line to purchase this vehicle. And also, they're looking at all the details in the car. The autograph version itself is drawing so much attention and desire, and people are seeing the value in the car, too. That is that the autograph edition is, and that's what we've been driving today, and it's, you know, the way you've described it in all the press materials, you know, this is the most luxury one, and everybody, their top trim is their most luxury trim, but you get in this, and you do have that sense of, like, well, they don't, they mean it. They, like, yeah. This is really... Everything, the, the the colors, the design, the feel of it, the richness of the materials, it is it is very premium feeling. And, and the quietness, too. Oh, yeah. my gosh, it's I mean, so smooth and quiet. This morning, you know, because it was nice and cool out, you know, for a while we were driving with the windows down. And then when we put the windows up, it's like it was transformative in terms of how quiet it suddenly felt, you know, like a, like a cocoon, you know, like being in a bubble. Sure. So. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's... My favorite question to ask everybody is, so did it deliver what we said? Because we can talk all we want, but at the end of the day, what we want people to come back is saying, okay, did anything I say or that Wendy said or anything else, did it come back and were we wrong? So what do you think, Sam? Did it deliver what it said? I know we're still in the middle of the drive. we got a little more driving to do, but... I, I, I think it, it largely delivers on, on what you promised. Um, you know, I'm curious, though, 
uh, you know, I mean, in this segment, this premium segment, uh, you know, I think it, there's a lot of companies trying to deliver on those same kinds of qualities. And, uh, you know, especially, you know, as we go forward, uh, in the future and we move towards electrification and quietness becomes an yeah. even, even bigger factor. And, you know, some of things like, you know, traditional powertrain kind of fall by the wayside as differentiating things. How do you see Infinity continuing to evolve and continuing to set itself apart from the rest of the industry? Well, first and foremost, I'll talk about this car, and then we'll talk a little bit about moving forward, what you have to think about. We're not going to talk about what we're going to do. Yeah, we'll sure. talk about how we Can think about it. Cannot comment on future products. Cannot comment on future products. See, well, okay. I'm, I'm thinking Make more in terms of vision. <laughs> you made that official. What, what, what do you see as the vision? Yeah, so, but let me start with this. Is the, the first thing you do is you listen to the consumer, period. And, and you have to ask the right questions with the consumer, especially in this segment, because... You're right. It is a very competitive segment. There are some brands and some vehicles that are, have very luxury treatments. You have some brands that have very solid performance and dynamics. And then you have the Infiniti QX60 that gives you the best of it all. And I, and I really believe that uh, to the bottom of my heart of how, because I've driven this car, I've been all over this car, I've been through competitors, um, I'm just so happy where we are. Now, how do we look for this in the future? You know, you mentioned electrification. This segment is probably going to be one of the last segments to be electrified. When you look at what consumers are looking for for electrification, what is doing that quietness, I think we've shown we can deliver a quiet cabin uh, with an ICE engine, with all the elements that we put in the vehicle, yet the cabin is still serene and quiet. But at the end of the day, we have to listen to consumers. And when we see the consumers starting to look for something different and new and different powertrains, we have to be there listening to the consumer and be open to the flexibility in the future. That's the biggest thing, is don't get yourself so centered and so pigeonholed that you can't maneuver. You have to figure out how to be flexible. Okay, okay you said you spent a ton of time in this car. Uh, you have to pick one thing that's your favorite feature. You can't just give me like 10 things you like. One thing, your absolute most favorite thing of this car. Yeah, my favorite thing is design. I don't know if you're going to give me that one as a feature. I'll let you say design. Pick a, pick a thing. You can, and, and one design I will tell you the um, absolute favorite view of that car for me is the front of the vehicle. and standing in front of it and looking at the athletic stance that this car has. I think when you look at this segment, you think... You, talk, you mentioned it earlier, okay, this segment's more of a family car, it's premium SUV, it's an SUV, three-rope SUV. But when you look at this vehicle from the front, you're kind of going, hmm, okay, I know what it has is all the utility, but man, this thing looks incredible. Yeah, there it is. I pulled, you can't see it, but yeah, there's a... It that's does. my favorite. That's my that's, favorite. I'm view. looking at a picture from the front of it. It does have a make-a-first impression, Yeah. I, I think that impression alone, too, when you look at this consumer, we talked a lot about our target consumer, Claire, but, but the reality is that this car is going to be attractive to many different types of consumers. Um, it, to, I, I have two boys, um, I have a dog, I have a cat, you know, my, my wife's a, a professional. This is a vehicle, the old QX60 is a vehicle she would drive often and use it for utility. This is a vehicle... I would drive easily and have no problem pulling it up to the country club, going out to a fancy dinner and pulling it through the valet, yet still have all the utility I need in the back to get things done. Uh, I lead a busy life, too. Uh, so this car is perfect. 
right? because it does everything I need to do. But yeah, front of, front of the car. Oh, okay, design. I accept that as your one favorite Thank thing. You. Okay, <laughs> so it, following up with that, I will represent the dark side of this conversation. <laughs> what is the one element that is not satisfactory to you that you would change? Um, you really expect me to answer that? I, absolutely I, was, I was like, is he going to answer that or is he going to let no, A glass saying. of wine later, I would have to do that for you because, listen, there's, there's always things you can poke at and, and put, but when I, when I talk about the things that I look at in this car, and I'm not going to list them all, um, <laughs> it, it, they're so minor and they're so minute because I'm so picky now because the car is so good in, in all aspects. Somebody did ask me that question the other day, is what didn't you get? And I was dumbfounded. Because I sat there and said, I, I don't actually have anything that I asked for that I didn't get on this vehicle. That's a good thing. I mean, you want to walk away and say, like, okay, I, you know, I got all the things I thought were super important. You, if you're if you actually had ready answer to that, I'd be a little bit nervous. Like, okay, yeah. let me tell you what we missed. Well, I mean, you know, having worked in the industry a long time, I know there's there's always something that you wish you could have done that you either. Yeah, didn't fit the budget, didn't have the time. Yeah. yeah, there's 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 always something. I would tell you that there's nothing that makes a substantial difference in the vehicle to me. Okay. okay. There's always little nuances where I'll look at a car and go, Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I had a headrest, maybe Ursa. But but there is nothing that changes the viability of this car that I did not get. Okay. Company. Fair enough. Okay. Anything else? No, that answers my question. Thank awesome. you for taking the Thank time you, to Jack. talk to Thank us. Thank you guys for spending the time with us. Yeah, today. this has been fun. Yeah. Awesome.